0: Ravel Radio is a podcast where we tackle the obstacles that make being a female entrepreneur harder than it has to be and dig in to find creative ways to build a business that aligns with our values, supports our well being, and lets us make a positive impact without sacrificing ourselves in the process. Welcome to another episode of Ravel Radio. Get ready to meet the real, soulful Maggie Gentry, who brings heart and soul into her work and encourages others to do the same. Maggie's entrepreneurial journey started in a place where emotions and intuition were downplayed, but she knew there was more to it. Now, after six years of running her own business, she believes that business and love are intricately connected and an integrated way of living and working is the key.
1: I'm Maggie Gentry and I am a thought partner and mindful marketing strategist for high conscious entrepreneurs. So what that really means is that I love working with folks who are building businesses with a mission who are really here to use their business as a vehicle for change. And being that brainstorming buddy, accountability partner, uh, almost like a business coach, if you will, for them, and helping them make sense of the ideas that they have in their brain that they can't quite see. And being able to untangle that mess and create a really beautiful plan for them so that they know how to move forward in a way that makes sense for them.
2: I love that. Very beautifully put. Um, And you and I just did a project together. You helped me with some thought partnership. And it was really helpful for me because I'm very big picture and not very detail oriented. And you were able to not only kind of parse out those pieces and think through them in a way that I was struggling with, but you also. Mm You pointed out a couple of things that might be more important to deal with first. So there were a lot of you had a like a, lot, a really unique, I think, ability to do that kind of big picture thinking, but also take it down into that next level. Mm, thanks.
1: I I love that. Like I, I mean, it's truly something that I love being able to see the the both and. So really wanting to understand that bigger picture, and then also really wanting to understand you and how you like to work and what your capacity is to create something that feels reasonable and attainable for you. Because um, I think that's, that's the part that I struggle with a lot is we see all of these frameworks and guidelines that might have worked for somebody. And I also think that a lot of them were likely created retroactively and they don't take into account happenstance and chance and luck and connections that allowed them to reach whatever goal it was that they met. And so I think that it's really hard to follow these formulaic processes that might have worked for one person cuz I they've never worked for me. I always want to buck the system in one way or the other and so I'm always curious about how we
2: can fit
1: the strategy and fit the plan to the person
2: you know i'm with you on bucking the bucking anything that is what i'm supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just true though because we don't we're not all the same and we're not all mm-hmm. operating the same business in the same way and our like personally we're not the same. I know there are really organized and disciplined business owners who might not need your help in the same way that i did. Mhm. Um but maybe they're not your clients. I don't know.
1: Well, like, i mean I think it just goes to, there, I, I, this is like, okay, I'm going to get on the soapbox real early. So here you we wait. go. But, you know, I mean, I think that it's also a lot of, um, a lot of how business is, is structured and a lot of businesses, business advice is, um, comes from really masculine point of view and a linear point of view. And, also from an ableist point of view so there are a lot of folks who are differently abled and neurodivergent and so being able to honor what makes you you and realizing that yeah maybe my brain doesn't allow me to be on 9 to 5 Monday through Friday which i don't know
2: frankly anyone who can <laughs> that's been on my mind a lot the 9 to 5 thing lately yeah like how and do you structure I- your day what do you how do you feel about structuring your days as an entrepreneur I'm mm-hmm. hearing just a test. No, it's perfect. Yeah. No, um,
1: I'm an early bird as I know you are too. So, but my mornings are also my precious time. Mm-hmm. So I like to be up early. I have a whole morning routine where I do my meditation and my journaling and that is just for me. But then I want my morning time to also be dedicated to the, um, what I think of as like the deeper work. So a lot of that for me is going to be more strategy, more writing, things that just use a different part of my brain that is more activated for me in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I do the middle of my day because um that's when I feel most energized. And that's when I'm doing more of my calls. And then the latter part of my day is more of the um project management or details. And so again, for me... Those things are easier at the end of my day.
2: Wow. That's kind of interesting because the details and the project management type activities are so much more difficult for me at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I have to get those out of the way first thing in the morning or I'm just sitting there banging my head against a wall at 4 (laughs) p.m. And that's so
1: funny. But like for me, it's, if I, if I go into the details immediately, then I'm gone. Like I've lost the thread and I'm huh. into projects and I am just like not at all. Like I will, um, I think that's part of my like ADD where I just like, once I start following all the little loose threads and all the little details, then I'm just mm. off. So Actually. I feel like I, I need, for me, it's like the morning has to be the kind of the smaller, bigger, deeper projects. Yeah.
2: There's a thread you're so intentional about the way that you operate your business and the way you live your life and the clients that you work with and how you help them. And that conscious part is, Mm. I don't see that a lot in all the areas that you are very conscious in. Have Did you kind of come to that down a rocky road, or have you always been that way? It's so
1: interesting because I think when you even asked to talk kind of very broadly about boundaries in business and how you saw that for me, which to me, that's like my forever life's work. Like boundaries ha- that has not come easy for me at all. Um it's definitely a battle that has been hard fought for myself to stand up for myself and speak up for myself and create that time. So I, I think how I came to it is just a lot. It, it was very clunky and also a lot of experimentation, a lot of me checking in and asking and honoring what felt good.
2: Um, for you, not, yeah, not what felt like it was part of the formula.
1: Yeah. And a lot of this is inner child healing work that I was doing simultaneously. You know, when I, when I started my business in 2016, it was also the first time that I saw a therapist because like, I knew that it was going to be a big leap. And so it's interesting how my entrepreneurial journey really mirrored my personal development or like self-exploration.
2: I think it's personal development. Yeah. Growth, personal growth. Totally.
1: But... You know, in that process, it's like my work the entire time has really been about boundaries. And so, you know, going back to the inner child, like I, I used to be so high strung as a child and I had this entire sticker collection that I never would allow myself to use the stickers. I just counted them and collected them. And it was just like wanting to know that they were there. And so I remember when I started this process of like trying to understand like my energetic capacity and what I wanted to do in a day. I bought myself a thousand sticker pack of Lisa Frank stickers. If anyone remembers Lisa Frank. Who doesn't? (laughs) And so then I like how I marked the day I'd like grade the day based on the like sparkliness or the like fantasticness of the Lisa Frank sticker. So it was like, that was how I was healing my inner child. By This was just a few years ago.
2: Yeah. 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 Oh, Wow. Yeah. I love that and you used this you used the stickers.
1: Oh yeah. So it was like that part was healing to my inner child and also it was allowing me to find a fun playful way of like oh I can honor myself and it can be fun and it can be healing. It was all this like beautiful whirlwind um all mixed up in one. But that that was how it started for me. It was just trying to find these patterns of okay, big flashy three star Lisa Frank sticker days. <laughs> what is it about them that made them so great? And with like the little tiny one star sticker days, like, what is it about them that made it hard? And so then finding those patterns really helped me um, create a structure that works for me, which it seems like we were just talking before the, you know, we started recording about really blocking call days. And so I do, yeah. I do that same thing or Tuesday, Thursday. I try to do all my calls those days.
2: I might have stolen that from you. I, I don't think it's an original idea. <laughs> so I, I'm not going <laughs> to well, take credit for I that. I associate <laughs> that. I think that's where I got the idea that I just needed to like back off of all of the days mm. and give myself. Th- look, when you use the word spaciousness a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think of you when I hear that word, and it makes me feel like that's something I need in my mm-hmm. business because that's something you've crafted for yourself. And I like the intention that you've. You know, done that with thank you.
1: It's a lot of work that I did with um Vivada Aroshina, which I can share um their name in in the show notes. Yeah. um but their business is called Be with, and they're an emotional wellness coach, okay, and one thing that they taught me was this idea of how can we always work towards that feeling of relief? Like, What is that thing that will allow you to have that full body exhale? And so that's always what I'm seeking. And that's what I think of when I think of spaciousness. So is it pushing a deadline a little bit further out? Is it canceling the call so I can go on a walk? Is it Pushing through the thing so that I can make the meal and enjoy time with my family later. Like, so it can look a number of different ways, but I like using that as an everyday reminder of like, what is going to give me that full body sense of relief?
2: I like the way you put that. I like that. I was thinking, well, I was thinking about how you described that. And I'm, I was thinking about like how that feels in my life. And sometimes it feels different. Like you said, like sometimes I think I think of it as freedom Mm -hmm. to do what I need for me. Yes. And so it's not feeling boxed in. Yes.
1: I think it looks different every day. (laughs) You know, like one day it might be that, you know, we need to, do the work and other times it may be that we need to not do the work whatever that might look like um but i think that just goes to like honoring us as human beings and as cyclical beings and not every day is going to be the same
2: yeah you're extremely self-aware and i think that your your journey as an entrepreneur probably mimics a lot of people's experience in that it's very conf- it can be confronting and Oh, 100%. If we don't prioritize our own personal development, along with our entrepreneurial journey and our business development, Mm -hmm. I I think it's a recipe for disaster and burnout.
1: Well, and I mean, you're, you're spot on because I've seen it so often in the work that I do with my clients who are predominantly service-based entrepreneurs. And so it's this weird mind fuck. Oh, can I curse on here? You can say fuck. Okay. Okay.
2: I was like, Oh, I don't like um, rules. You can say whatever you want,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it is this proper, like my fuck sometimes of, okay, I'm selling these services, which are my thoughts and ideas or my IP. Like where's that line between what I'm selling and who I am
2: mm-hmm.
1: identity. Uh-huh. And so I think that there is a huge amount of work that needs to be done for many new business owners, particularly those that are service-based entrepreneurs about what is me and
2: who am I (laughs) and what is my work? Well, and how does my business evolve as I evolve? Yes, We're, We're supposed to be, there's this like, I don't want to call it a lie because I know that it's good for some people, but there's this idea that, that we have to be consistent. We have to start doing this one thing and we have to be consistent with it. Well, what if me being authentic to who I am is not being consistent? What if you can Mm -hmm. count on me to change my mind Mm -hmm. or, or I'm going to learn something new about myself. You were really great about this. When we were doing that work together, you were helping me, um, you helped me kind of think through and launch this, uh, ambassador program for Ravel so that I could, you know, empower some of our members and create more connections and all of this. And, At one point we were voxering and I said, oh, Maggie had this idea. I should do this, this, and this, and I should plan this, this, and this. And you came back and so kindly pointed out to me, I think you said like, I just want to gently remind you that you don't like structure and being boxed into things. So that could present a problem if you did go down that path. Just food for thought. Like you were so, and I, I, I totally laughed when I listened to it and I was like, oh my God, you're right. I would hate that. <laughs> Why did I even say that? Why do I think that you were such a, it was such a good mirror to like, you could see me more clearly. I forget that I'm like that, right? I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, what do I need to do next? What's next? What am I doing here? And you were like, but wait, that's not what's good for you. And that's okay.
1: And I think it's so interesting too, because it's uh, we've been taught this idea that somehow consistency leads to trust. It's like that whole no, like trust factor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it's, we've been told that consistency is the way to get there where, but then for me, when I think about it, it's like, but if we're, if, if we take consistency a little bit too far along that thread, then to me, we get stuck in a fixed mindset of like, this is the way we do it. It always has to be this way. And I don't want to be there. I want to be more on the growth mindset end of the spectrum and exploring what ways work for me now and being able to allow in iteration and nuance. And um so, you know, I, a way that I operate is I like to think about flexible consistency. So it's like, sure, let me allow that to come in. Like, let me experiment with a consistency that works for me. And also let me allow myself the time and the the permission to change it whenever it no longer feels right because of whatever reason.
2: I love that concept that you just said, flexible consistency. Mm -hmm. And and it works for you as a purpose-driven entrepreneur because we still know what you're all about. You might change your services or the way that you offer them, or stop offering services altogether. But you're still going to be about what you're all about and helping mm-hmm. who you want to help.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to us. I mean, we are human beings; we are not machines. And so it's just you know that I think of like I have a whole gripe against consistency because I also think that creativity can't exist on a conveyor belt. And so it's like if we put ourselves like into this. um, regimen where we feel like, I don't know, whatever it is, like we've got to post on Instagram once a day, or we've got to send a newsletter every week or as examples, you know, like sometimes that works and sometimes creativity loves a little
2: bit of friction. And also sometimes creativity loves space and freedom. So yeah, I'm reading a really good book right now that one of our members recommended and it's called 10 X is easier than two X. And the part that I'm at in the book right now is all about, structuring your days so that you have these big chunks of time for doing a certain type of thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those days are supposed to be recovery days where you're not oh. thinking about work and you're going off and you're doing something like learning the guitar or taking a vacation to somewhere novel that you've never been before and having an experience that might trigger you to have like to, 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 nurture your creativity, or help you solve a problem in another area and just like getting away from mm-hmm. the grind and just mm-hmm. giving yourself that spaciousness. I think
1: there's another one. Oh goodness. I need to make sure that I've got the title correct, which we can link to it for sure. I think it's board is brilliant,
2: but it's sounds a, familiar.
1: it's a similar concept of, um, how we are so connected that actually allowing ourselves time to, um, let the mind wander is a way in which our brain can file ideas and that's how it makes connections. And so finding dedicated time to be bored is actually really fruitful.
2: Bored and brilliant. Yes how spacing out can unlock your most productive and creative self. Mm -hmm. That makes sense if you think about it, because if we, I mean, our society wants us to be robots. And Mm -hmm. so if they keep us busy and plugged in and, you know, just pushing full throttle all the time, we are just going to fall into line and not have any brilliant ideas and not buck the status quo or do anything out of line and Mm -hmm. just be good little robots. Yeah. If we have time to think and relax, we might upset the cart. (laughs) It's so true.
0: It's so true. Yeah.
2: So what projects are you working on right now that you're excited about?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I'm trying to just think really quickly about... I mean, some of the client work that I'm doing is really exciting. I um, just supported one client here in Austin with um, their pitch story and pitch deck and for a competition yesterday. And they won, which is huge. Oh, cool. Yeah. So... Um, a cool 100 K that they get. Um, um, that's a great client winning story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's massive. Um, so we'll see how we can support their growth. Like I'm really excited about that. Otherwise it's, yeah. I mean, for, for myself and my business, I've been. The, the last thing that I created was about this idea of like how to take a solo business retreat, which is interesting because it is about like carving out this time to allow yourself ah. to just dream and be. Um, do you do that? You do that. I do. Yeah. I take a quarterly business retreat. Um, and it looks different every time. Like sometimes it's, you know, a two night stay somewhere that's not my home. Um, this past month. So I did it, we're recording in May of 2023. I did it in April of 2023. And I just had two consecutive mornings that I had blocked because that was really all that I, I had the capacity for at that point in time. Um, and it was just in my space in my home. Um, but I do make sure that I create some sort of container to allow myself to just like check back in, um, on my mission, on my values, exploring how I want to fulfill those values and enact those values um, over the next three months. So that's been um, that's been a, a super supportive structure for me. And so then the thing that I created was a whole notion dashboard with um, resources and tools to support people and working through their own solo business
2: retreat. Oh. Um yeah. So um So did you create kind of a process for moving a process for moving through that and like journaling prompts and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Say
0: more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um it it does have journal prompts or inquiry questions that you can use to meditate on or to journal on if you'd like, um, before the the before the retreat. But the big thing that I'm always thinking about like because we work, we spend so much time working really like in the business. So that's the client work and the deadlines and everything that we have to do, our own marketing, the bookkeeping, but having dedicated time to work on your business. So you know that's thinking further ahead, however long in the distance that might be, working on a new offering, updating your systems or operations, whatever. So I think about those things as like the, the back burner projects, the things that were like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that one day. Um, and they start to stack up. And so having these quarterly business retreats is a way for me to, to tackle some of those back burner projects. So it's the things that those things that are important, but not necessarily
2: urgent yet. Like what's an example of something you might tackle?
1: Um, so I, the whole, um, Offering that I created and the outline for how to plan your solo business retreat. Like I did that on my last retreat, so I wrote the blog post, I created the freebie content, I co- like wrote the welcome series for once you get the freebie, and then also built the there's like a low cost um, upsell offer for like the full dashboard. So created that on my last retreat. I've done them before where it's um, when I wanted to update my full like lead magnet. And so it was updating that process for myself. Um, I've done it where it was creating my whole workflow for onboarding new clients. So I didn't really have a structure. Um, you know I was just every time I would send out a one-off proposal and then send out a one-off contract and so then working with my client management or my CRM to then build the templates and the workflow to ease that process for myself. Um, gotcha. so it's a stuff that's like not always super sexy, <laughs> but can be really full and important and makes a difference once you dedicate the time to do it.
2: Yeah. Just spacing out that runway so that you're not being interrupted and you don't feel mm-hmm. like you have to be somewhere else or doing something else.
1: Yeah. And also I think it goes back to, you know, it's for me, it's really helpful to have a, just a couple of days. Every three months where I can say, hey, clients, I'm not available. And they don't necessarily know that I'm not, you know, I just say that I'm out of office. So they don't know if I'm on vacation or what. And I don't think that that they need to necessarily know. They probably don't care, right? Yeah. It's just that, like, I'm not available. Um, And so I make sure that they have ample notice. Um, But yeah, it's for me. Again, I think it goes back to the boundaries of being very clear of like, I'm not available. Like I have to let them know that I'm not available those days so that I feel like I have, um, the self permission to work on my business.
2: You're really good at that. Your email always says when you have future out of office days, yeah. and I want to say, I wish I, I wish I could remember what it is, but you would probably know, um, when you and I first connected, you were out of the office and I, it was around Christmas time not last year, but the year before. And mm-hmm. I emailed you and told you how much I loved this blog post that I found. And I had run out of characters on LinkedIn when I connected with you. <laughs> so right. I think I said something like, hey, I just had to connect directly because LinkedIn doesn't give me enough characters to tell you what I think. And I needed to t- say, <laughs> I need to say this. Um, but you you got an auto response that was like, hey friend, thank you for reaching out. I am out of the office until X, Y, Z date. And you had this beautiful like description of how you handle email responses that Mm -hmm. very clearly spelled out what they could expect from you and what they, you know, should not be sitting around waiting for.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's the format that I follow a lot where it's like, if you're a current client, if you're a prospective, so it's like, if you're a current client, you know, I say something about when they can expect a response. It's like, if you're wanting to work together, thanks so much. And also here's a link to book a call with me. Um, And yeah, but so in the retreat dashboard, I have, um, templates for autoresponders for emails to your clients about letting them know that you're going to be taking time off. And then also, um, text templates just to like, let friends or family members or housemates, you know, know that, Hey, I'm taking this dedicated time. So if you find it hard to, uh, To state those boundaries and to claim that time for (laughs) yourself,
2: it's like not something I've ever even thought. I I mean, I think about it now because I've been in business long enough to have seen people like you doing this, and to think, man, I should really—that's really helpful. And it's funny because I always have had—I did not grow up with great boundaries. Bound—I didn't know I was allowed to have boundaries for a long time. Oh yeah, same. And so, as an adult, I remember thinking like. I have to figure out how to put boundaries in place, but I don't really even know who I am, so how do I know what boundaries I want to put in place and so there was this mm-hmm. whole process of like having to understand that I needed to know myself before I knew what I needed and could teach people how to treat me yes, um, but when I see people like you do things like that, I'm like I'm so appreciative uh, appreciative of the boundary that you put in place because I know mm-hmm. where we're at, and it's like hard to think about that when you first start putting boundaries in place because you feel like you're asking for something you maybe don't, aren't allowed to ask for or something like that. But Mm -hmm. on the other side of that, I think people actually appreciate knowing where you stand. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think as a newer business owner, it feels hard because it's, you feel like you want to say yes to every opportunity and you want to do all the things to, I think there's a lot of scarcity. I shouldn't,
2: I'll speak to my
1: experience.
2: I think that's, that's pretty I safe felt. to say. I that's pretty consistent in what I've seen with newer entrepreneurs, or even like when you pivot your business or you make a change mm-hmm. and, and you're re-educating your network. It can be a little bit scary because nobody knows you're not known for what you were known for anymore, and there is a little gap there where you're having to reeducate. Um, and it can be tempting to take on things that are not a great fit, but mm-hmm. that's you know that's one of my bi- biggest pet peeves is is what a nightmare that is for as a service entrepreneur on both sides of that Mm -hmm. equation, because I've had clients that I should not have been doing work for because I either wasn't the best. I could have recommended somebody better maybe Mm -hmm. in that specific niche or because the personality just wasn't a great fit and they were very maybe structured and organized and I was more like free flowing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, it's
1: hard. And also it's, I think something to acknowledge that, you know, for now we live in a capitalist society, which unfortunately requires that we have money to buy the things that we need to survive. And so I think there's also, we've got to have a caveat to this conversation of like, yes, you want to be known for something and you want to make sure that you are staying true to your values. And also sometimes you have to find a way to do that, that also supports what you need, which could be saying yes to maybe not the super, super, super ideal client, but allows you to pay your mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's always a balance of maybe sometimes we say yes to the clients that help us provide that level of safety and that foundation while we build and can slowly start to build the more ideal dreamy clients. Um,
2: I think we learn who the dreamy clients are that way too. We yep. don't start out of the box knowing like when I quit my first job, my first big girl job and was like, I'm going to work for myself. Mm-hmm. You can't make me do anything I don't want to do. I didn't know who was a great client and who was not. I had not worked with enough people. I had not had enough experience or enough, you know, I don't want to say failures, but um, a few. I hadn't been knocked down enough times to know kind of what direction I really shouldn't be going. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe cool. not everybody has to learn the hard way that the way that I do, but There's a self-awareness factor that I think comes with just getting older. And
1: And I think, you know, it's like sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And so it is hard, but at least for me, I know where where my boundaries are once they've been crossed, which sucks. (laughs) That's actually (laughs) a a great
2: way to figure out kind of because it's really when I find when my boundaries are being crossed, it kind of usually touches on a core value that's being Mm. offended. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on my life, I can see spaces where I felt resentful or compartmentalized or, um, just like, like livid about something. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it tends to be connected to that for me. And mm-hmm. so I know where those boundaries need to be. And it really connects to my core values a lot. I'm not going to let somebody schedule me whenever they want because yeah. one of my core values is freedom. And I have to know that I have the freedom to do what I need to do when I need to do it.
1: Yeah. And it's an, you know, in that in that process of when you feel acutely that the boundary has been crossed, I think it's an interesting point for self reflection because sometimes sometimes it's like, oh, um, that person is pointing me to something where I could do it differently, or I could say this in a different way, or there's something that I could clarify, um, and that can be helpful. And also, it seems like in my experience that a lot of people immediately go to like, what did I do wrong or what could I do differently or what do I need to change? And so the other part of that, of the self-reflection that's interesting to consider is, well, what if, what if you, your message is clear? What if everything was right and this person just wasn't for you? And so I think it's just honoring like, yes, um, Sometimes there are places where we can refine and iterate and improve, and then also sometimes it's just like, can we graciously let that experience and that person go, and maybe we're doing okay just as we are um but yeah, it does it does take some time, I think, in trial and error
2: um yeah. to get to and a little bit of faith too, I think oh yeah, in knowing that something will come in to fill that space if that is a client that you have to let go, mhm. Knowing that whatever needs to move into that space is not gonna be able to move into that space until that space is made.
1: Exactly. This is reminding me, I think this was like the first post in Ravel where I like really got involved because I had a really hard client experience and I was asking about red flag questions.
2: That you weren't people saying asked. much at the time. Yeah. You were yeah. kind of being quiet and you came in with this post and it said trigger warning, I think. Mm-hmm. You were like you were like, I have there was a you put a red flag emoji on you feel like i need help and yeah is that what, what were you dealing with i don't remember exactly but
1: yeah i i'm trying to remember too i i know that it was a client who was upset and said some hard pretty harsh things about me not delivering on what she thought the engagement was which um the disconnect was because she was asking for a lot more than any of my clients who had previously had this um had gone through this offering. And so it was already it was already discordant. And I said something about she was like, I think she wanted me, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I tried to also state a boundary of like, yes, I want to get to this, but it was a big ask and um I couldn't do it in the way in the timeline that she wanted because of other deadlines and big projects that I had at the time. So I tried to give her like yes, I can review it by X date. Um, and that did not go over well. And so then, um, she wanted to like end our engagement immediately. Um, and I gave her, I think I gave her a refund, which I was happy to do. Um, but it just, it felt so odd because it, I felt like our initial discovery call felt really aligned. And so I came to the group just curious about, like, what did I miss or are there other, questions that you ask either in the intake form or on the discovery call to really find those like right fit clients. But it, it just, it really shook
2: me. Um, yeah, it was really hard. I had one like that too. Um, it kind of broke me. Honestly, I didn't do SEO work for a really long time after this because I had kind of dropped the ball on, like I had partnered with somebody and we were doing this project and she had not, completed something but i had not checked it either Mm -hmm. so i didn't realize it wasn't even done and then this guy came back and he just hit me out of nowhere with this email about how i was failing at everything and like i was supposed to do this this and he listed off all these things and it was like six o'clock in the morning and i was checking my email and i was just like oh this hurts because i really liked him as a client too Mm -hmm. and then um I just was I think that was like one of the moments where I was kind of like I should not be doing this work. I am horrible at this work. This is terrible and I don't think I want to work with men in this industry anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no offense, you know I love men. Some of my favorite mm-hmm. people are men, but but um how how, how would I've known that that was yeah. not a good industry for me to be working with or you know this or that and it was the same thing. I I was happy to give the refund and make everything right, but I don't know still didn't feel very good. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't. And it, I I mean, it's hard because again, going back to what we were talking about, it's like when somebody comes back with that kind of that harsh feedback, it's hard not to take it personally.
2: That's a good point too, cuz I do remember, I know at the time I read the email again and I actually went back through all of our old ma- emails and there was only really one thing that he was correct about. Mhm. And there were all those other things he had listed out that were like not even correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, but at the end, he was like, I don't have the bandwidth to argue about this. Um, I don't need any rebuttals, blah, blah, blah. He was basically saying, like, I couldn't argue back about anything like that. Wow. So it took me like three days to write him back. Yeah. Um, but I do remember that I think it wasn't even about me. He had a partner who was putting a lot of pressure on him. Mm. And so I think it had a lot more to do with what was going on with him. And I was a convenient person to blame. Yeah. So you never know what's going on with other people. Yeah. It's so true. Um,
1: Yeah. But, you know, it's these these moments where... Yeah. I mean, we do the best we can. We respond in the most generous way that we're able while also honoring ourselves
2: in, in the mix. And one of the um, things I love about what you're doing is that you're positioning as a thought partner mm -hmm. and it feels a little bit less like the boss and the service provider or Mm -hmm. like the, the client and the service provider. It feels less like you're it feels more like you're in a position to say, we're partners on this, Not, they're not going to be as likely maybe to come and say, this is how I want this done. And this is when I want this done. And you're so good with boundaries. I feel like that's a really great recipe for people enjoying the time with you and continuing to work with you afterwards.
1: Thank you. I hope so. I mean, I do. Um, I do feel like I want to be that equal partner in the sense of just, um, in the ways that I can. I mean, I know that you are always going to love your business more than I can, but it doesn't mean that I don't love it a whole lot with you.
2: I felt I got that sense a hundred percent when you were working with me, I felt like you were very invested in the process and the outcome and that you were thinking about it even harder than I was. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well but i there's something that you said earlier too about how sometimes you can't even see yourself and that's why i have people who i consider my thought partners where it's like i come i come to them so that they're able to reflect things back to me that i need to be reminded of or that i've forgotten mm-hmm. um and you know it always allows me to have this kind of litmus test in my body of, okay, so when they say that to me, how do I feel? And that will usually point me towards my truth. If I feel lost and if I can bring it to somebody and they can ask me some questions or they can reflect something back and then I see what's happening, I will have some sort of somatic response that will, that will point me to my truth and it becomes very clear. So I think that's my hope with what I do with folks is being able to understand who they are and why they do what they do and where they want to go and how they want to do it in a way that feels supportive. And once I know that, then being able to ask those questions or kind of like the example that you shared about, um, you know, wanting to have this like weekly call structure. And I was like, are you sure about that?
2: <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of things where I was like, ah, let's do this. And you were like, well, <laughs> we could but and let's just remember <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me that you say you're so you were high strung as a child because i think of you as this very calming um like you bring my energy levels down to a human level like if i get all wound up and like when we got on our call to do the thought leadership onboarding thing I was I was like, I don't know who I'd been on the phone with, but I tend to match people's energy. And I was just way up here, like all wound up. You were like, let's take a minute and do some breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I would have been a very fun person to be on the phone with for that whole time if you hadn't brought me back down and been like, let's breathe. <laughs> You're being insane. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, that's just, that's how I start my call. Like, that's just, it wasn't... Oh, that wasn't just me? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, I mean, because, but I think that there's something, um, about breathing together that helps like create the containers specifically when we're not, I mean, even more so in person, but it, especially when we're not in person, it helps
2: to just sink breath across well, it, the screen. It worked. I think there's some science around that too, but mm-hmm. it totally worked because I haven't, I cried a couple of times during that call in a good kind of cathartic way, when I was telling you about my mission with Ravel and bringing women entrepreneurs together and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I had never cried about that before. Mm-hmm. It's something I feel very strongly about. And there's definitely some like feeling about what I do. I'm very purpose driven, but I had never cried about it before talking about it. And so there was some kind of alignment and there was an ability for me to open up in a way of That I hadn't been able to before. So whatever it was, it worked. (laughs) It was very good. (laughs) But I think of you as a calming, nurturing Mm -hmm. energy. Um, So it's, it's hard for me to believe you wouldn't give yourself the stickers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was like the anxiety ridden child who I mean, like this, I still remember The night before kindergarten, freaking out and not being able to sleep because I couldn't read yet. And my mom, like, trying to reason with me of, like, you go to kindergarten to learn how to read. And I just couldn't. So, yeah, that's, like, a little insight into.
2: I wonder. It's funny because, like, I don't think of myself as having had anxiety as a child. That's more of, like, an adult.
1: Mm. Characteristic
2: that I picked up, I feel like. But you just reminded me of something that when I was a kid, the first day of kindergarten, my mom, I I refused to leave the house until my mom cut the ruffles off my jumper. No way. But that could have been how my anxiety showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks about it. she tells the story because I was I was adamant, like I would not leave the house. I was like hanging onto the leg of the table or something until she cut the the lace off the pockets of the jumper. Oh, little Kara. <laughs> but. I've laughed my whole life like, oh, stubbornness, just how it." don't like lace. <laughs> but <laughs> but that was had to have been about more than just pockets because I had to have known what I was wearing for school.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Funny.
2: That self-awareness. Yeah.
0: That's start hanging
2: out with Maggie. It's going to start coming out. <laughs> oh, just imagine how much fun we're going to have in Mexico. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's going to be amazing was going to be so good. I'm looking forward to lots and lots of good times like that. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a hard stop here and I'm going to respect your boundary. Oh, So nice let's let everybody know where they can connect with you.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not on social media these days, but you can find me on my website, which is maggiegentry.com. Um, if you're interested in the pre-retreat checklist that I mentioned, then you can go to maggiegentry.com slash checklist and you can download it there. Um,
2: yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And I'll include links to all of that. And thank Thank you you. so, so much from the bottom of my heart for spending some time with me today and sharing your stories and your perspectives. I think they're really Mm -hmm. important and valid and I'm looking forward to sharing them with everyone. Thank you so much, Kara. I cherish you. I cherish
0: you too. It's been a delight. Thank you. Same. And there you have it. Another inspiring conversation with another amazing woman entrepreneur. Before you go, a heartfelt thank you for being part of the Ravel family. Your support means the world. And if you like what you heard, please consider giving your fellow entrepreneur a virtual hug by sharing this episode on social or with a friend. See you next time.